one, five, seven, twelve. <laughs> I wonder how many people notice that I do that. Yeah. <laughs> like I've been doing it ever since I first started doing podcasts online. I don't know. Right. When I started, I just thought it was hypnotic <laughs> to do the opposite. <laughs> so I do it every time. And uh, I've never heard anybody comment on it, but I, I have to imagine some people notice. What I want to do now, since we're talking about it, is I want to go back and learn the Rhythm Nation countdown. Five, four, three, two from Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation yeah. thing because it's gorgeous. And so I don't know that counting, one. <sighs> it made it, the, the thing that popped into my head <laughs> related to media and movies was... Um, you remember uh, the Sesame Street um, one two three four five six seven eight nine, nine ten eleven twelve yeah um totally freaking random uh you know what I found I found out recently um one of my heroes uh, I watch I'm obsessively man crushy on Adam Savage from MythBusters sure um, yeah so I found out Adam Savage's dad was an animator. He made that animation for for Sesame Street, the the one, two, three, four, and like I think there was a couple of other ones that I I recognized when uh, and he he would do them alone, like by himself. He anim- wow. hand animate the whole thing, and he would do like one or two a year, and he did twelve of them. So I think he worked for Sesame Street for like six years. Uh, and I remember those animations vividly. Yes. No. So good. I think what's funny, recognizing what things I, I feel like talking about in our show today and recognizing that, like, I think just a couple weeks ago, the big to do for a minute was the different colors of Big Bird and such that people were freaking out and Big Bird had to post on Twitter to let people know that he has many cousins around the world that are, here's my cousin so-and-so because everybody's like, that's that Big Bird! Big Bird! <laughs> and that was the most important freaking out thing that people were up to because apparently yep. they just didn't have stuff to freak out about. <laughs> oh my lord. Harry Styles in a dress. I remember that was an outrage a few weeks back. And I'm just like, people, what? <laughs> just, I think people's nervous systems are just sort of like trained at this point. Like every week we have to be freaking out about something. Yeah. Well, it's also just social media is like how many people are really freaking out about it? Is there me? What? You don't know that there's not only three people in the world that are free, and everybody else is like, this is a non-issue, right. non-story. But there's only three really loud people that are outraged by it. What was the old BuzzFeed phrase? Do you remember? You may be surprised that or whatever that used to. I don't know. This oh, years ago. yeah. Like you, you'll never believe who thing may shock you or something yeah. like that. What yeah. you don't know might shock you. Yeah. 17 different things that you need to know or you'll die. Number 11 will blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, hey, everybody. Welcome hey. to the Enlightened Couch Potato Show. I am one of thy host dice eyes. Adrienne Gunn. <laughs> and people do call me Nicholas Rave. Nice. People do. I've heard it happen. Uh, to timestamp our episode today. This is episode 40. Four, or, 40. Four zero. That's kind of like an anniversary of sorts. It feels pretty good. Mm-hmm. 
So, just in case you want to place this in time, uh, Rush Limbaugh died today. What? Oh, you didn't know? Did he really? <laughs> oh, sorry. Am I not <laughs> supposed to look that happy? <laughs> I giggled at lots of tra- trauma. Hardship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have I have a Rush Limbaugh story. Oh. You want you want to hear? It's connected <laughs> to the time I laughed the hardest in my life. Shit. Okay. How's that for an opener? I am ready. Okay. Okay. So I went to um, school. I went to summer camp at an arts academy called Interlochen when I was 17 years old in Michigan. Um, it was a, a big deal. I met lots of cool people, like uh, tons of people, way more talented than me. I got a scholarship to go there because I couldn't afford it. It's very expensive. Nice. And um, I was in the musical theater department and in the cabin. Uh, you ever do summer camp? Kind of. Summer camp, going away to summer camp is like, it's like high school on steroids. And remember, I was homeschooled. So I oh didn't boy. do, this was like, <laughs> I don't know, a lot of high school condensed into like six weeks or eight weeks or however long I was gone. Um, and I had a lot of really horrible experiences. Overall, I'm glad I went. Um, and the cabin life was one of those weird things. It's like, I'd never... I didn't know how to hang around with boys my own age. And uh, I was very awkward and weird. And I got picked on and made fun of and bullied. And um, and I made a few friends. One of the friends that I made was a cabin mate. His name was Stephen Limbaugh. Oh, okay. And Stephen was, um, probably still is, um, a really tall, gangly, skinny dude, kind of a Jim Carrey, like, physiology, just, like, all over the place, and so funny. Like, he was just wild and crazy and hilarious and really talented composer and musician. Yeah. He was Rush Limbaugh's cousin, turns out. Okay. And I and I asked him about it. And he was like, yeah, I, we know Rush. And like, I think he'd flown on his plane or something. We didn't talk about politics. I didn't know about anything like that at the time. However, <laughs> one night when we were walking home, they'd called, the, they'd played the bugles and we had to go back to our cabins. We were all giggling and laughing about something like all, my cabin mates. And at some point, Stephen took off running like like full tilt just he's standing right next to us and we're all like whoa what the hell he's like running as fast as he can runs probably 30 feet in front of us and then jumps into the air and like straightens his entire body and slams his face into a stop sign and i remember the stop sign went wobble 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 he hit it that hard and his feet flew out from underneath him and he lands flat on his back. He did it on purpose. He was just, it was like the most epic pratfall you've yeah. ever seen in your life. And yeah. I, I, I got to think he's done it before to know that if you hit your forehead into later on, he was like, that works with signs that have one pole. Yes. And then he's like, he's like, don't do it on the ones that have two poles. <laughs> like, like he's tried and he's like, that one hurt a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he runs, he flies, he falls to the ground and we 
can't breathe. We're all laughing so hard because it was just out of the blue, no preamble. You just had no idea what he was doing. And then you're like, what in the hell? So to just wrap up the story, um, probably 10, 11 years later. No, maybe more than that. I was in L.A. I went to a concert. I don't go to a lot of music concerts. I've been to like a handful, like hmm. one hand probably in my whole life. So I went to this music concert, a kind of a big deal place like Nirvana played there. I don't remember what it was called. Might have been the Roxy. Might have okay. been the Roxy. Yeah. So I, was at, I think I was at the Roxy and there was a, a lineup of like four bands and I was there to see one of them. I don't remember. one. <laughs> and then <laughs> of the five this, you've gone to. <laughs> this is such a high priority in your life. I know. The yeah. Five shows you've ever been to. You don't. I got invited. <laughs> and I, like, I didn't know it. So the second band that went up, they were like, this new band has just gotten signed to a record deal. They're about to go on their first European tour. Give it up for, I don't remember the band name. And then they came up on stage and their keyboard player was fucking Steven. And he's like, this super tall. He looks exactly the same. Super tall, playing like three different keyboards, rocked the house. And then afterwards I went up and said hi. And he said he remembered me. Um, but I don't imagine very well because I was pretty forgettable and weird at that time. But <laughs> that was my connection to rush limbaugh and i love um, it don't let the door hit you on your way out asshole yeah no that's hilarious i actually used to do pratfalls like that things like that <laughs> i would frequently smash my head against the desk or just suddenly go into a sprint and then slam against lockers and fall backwards uh -huh. and in high school i did that a lot about three years ago i was supervising a a drum recital an indian drum recital indian from india like yeah, yeah southern india drum recital thing there was this pretty famous freaking guru coming and his, his band showed up the sound engineer that we were utilizing for that gig because i was supervising and not running sound isn't always sometimes he rubs people the wrong way and the amount of the amount of male humans who have opinions about how things should be and assert themselves increases when you're with a collectivist society that believes that everyone's opinion has value. So we've got a room full of everyone's decided that they're sound engineers, dudes, and they're, but there's also language barriers and people who are not necessarily great at communicating anyway and it's my job to make sure shit goes on time flows well that the people paying for our facility and our humans labor feel good about the thing so there's this moment where people are like kind of arguing and kind of frustrated and i'm attempting to make a point and apparently an old strategy uh, climbed up my spine and decided this is the time to mock hysteria for the sake of attention. And for some reason, I'm trying to talk to this, like this band and shush people and get the thing. And so I'm like, are you kidding me? And I like leap up and then just plop like a freaking octopus on my back. There's some weird pratfall slam that I do just be like, I have had it. And boy, 
did everyone see that? And there's a sound and a plop, and I'm fine because my body was just like, I remember how to. And then for some reason, the drummer just decided that that was apparently the sexiest thing that he'd ever seen. Now, (laughs) (laughs) not what I was expecting. No, not what I was expecting. I was just wanting to have like a break. What is what is our NLP thing? a profoundly creative pattern interrupt. Shit, yeah, you, pattern interrupt. Yeah, you did a state break for everybody. I did. And that somehow be... you hypnotized him so well. Yes, that he was like, that is so sexy. I have to, <laughs> like, I just, he just started kind of following me around with the googliest of eyes. And I was like, I thought, hmm, what? <laughs> But I'm it, trying to like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the <laughs> imprint period for someone who would find that sexy. Did he like have a crush on like a mime at some point <laughs> mime. or like a, a a clown performer? <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. I don't I mean, know. I committed fully to the physicality of it. And I yeah. hadn't done a pratfall in at least 10 years yeah. when i done it and i, was I mean not- i get it i think it's yeah that, that's sexy i was i was kind of <laughs> into steven when he did it so <laughs> yeah yeah uh i i haven't done I, god like when you told the story is like ooh, i kind of want to learn that because that'll be useful sometime i mean it totally worked pattern interrupt everybody was yep. like Psh. they forgot what they were talking about and arguing i now had command because why i had the most behavioral flexibility in the room. What is yeah, it? Law for, of requisite sure. variety? Law of requisite variety. You got to tell that part before you get to the crush part. The crush is like the <laughs> the bonus like twist, but you, you'd be like, it totally worked. And I interrupted their pattern. I took control of the situation. They were all in the palm of my hand. Also, it had a weird <laughs> side effect. <laughs> like, I will use it. Yeah. <laughs> I will use it. Oh, my gosh. So, Okay. Other things to timestamp, not related to entertainment, but well, no, it is. This one's actually related to entertainment. And also was the rush. Some people need. I don't know if you can go into deeply healing uh, state listening to his radio, but one Mm. could try. Fair, fair enough. So I, how do I want to talk about this? Sometimes in life, I think. Wouldn't it be nice? I think there's the meme. It'd be great if uh, if we could all have the confidence of a mediocre white man. I think that is the meme. <laughs> Just, my, I, I, I wish I had world. that confidence too. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What sheer utter confidence of a mediocre white man. So a phenomenon happened recently where i'm like well maybe feminism is working or and and now there are women who are also just exclaiming that they can do just they just feel like they can do just about fucking anything and good job feminism and maybe that will like it'll cross over into the boardroom and like setting up boundaries and asking for raises and charging what you're worth and trying things that you might not think that you're 98% capable of you're only 47%. Okay. So here's the thing. Gina Carano was apparently maybe fired from her gig. Uh it's people- pretty clear that she was. I guess the language wasn't that we fired her, it was that she is not 
under contract for any it's true so i suppose they could have just said we're not bringing that character back in the next season so then they can say we don't have any plans to work with her and maybe she wasn't actually fired for that but yeah yeah so the the theory is she's been voicing opinions on the Twitters and the social medias that people are not fond of. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people are calling and asking for her to be fired. And so maybe that's what happened. Who knows what I find fascinating was the number of people I'm connected to in Facebook world, female bodied people who have just decided that they could be the next Cara Dune. They've just announced, you know, if you need a replacement, I'll do it. And so I'm like, well, that's fascinating. So I do a little like Facebook stalkery of there were about three or four different women who were just like, oh, I sign me up. None of whom have any like I've scanned for a while, any background in acting or martial arts or athleticism. They, they're not athletes, actors or and I'm thinking this is amazing how our mirror neurons can be so activated that we could get in such like rapport with our entertainment that we're like, Oh, I can totally do that. That there's really out of shape round plump ladies are like, I could be Cardoon. Cause they're like, look, she's so much bigger than other female humans. I'm like that woman is probably fuck tons tinier than you think she is because cameras also that is filled with muscle yeah. and decades of martial arts training yeah. and ass kickery and yay for feminism that we now have female humans who are like, I could totally do that with absolute no trading, no aptitude. I've got it. I'm the next Totally. What, what's the name of the actor who played Pedro Pascal? Right. Yeah. In in real life, Gina Carano could wipe the fucking floor with Pedro Pascal. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah. I mean, these were uh, really, really out of shape humans, which is fine. You can be an out of shape human and you can be empowered to so much by the television you that's part of our th- like let these movies and shows move you into feeling fan fucking tastic and i just i just sat back and it's like so what what aspect of your life actually causes you to believe that you could in fact be I, i'm very confused and i didn't like attack or ask them about it i mean when i'm like i declare i can do that i'm actually have a background in athletics and yeah. acting and I've done stage combat and fighting even when are, are you now putting injury. your your <laughs> your hat in the ring like you're like <laughs> by the way Disney just just in case you're listening straight I mean- up I would need <laughs> some time to train yeah. <laughs> I, I am aware that you know it probably would take me a year with the right like nutrition to look like I can do that and get back into like the balance and train my body to do those sorts of things again. Cause I at least was a collegiate athlete and I've spent yeah. my whole life. I was doing stunt pratfalls for fun. Like, yeah. Oh, that's how we got here. Stunt training, <laughs> And they have like, I didn't do martial arts, but I have like sword fighting and stage yeah, yeah. combat training. Like, like there's actual, I would be building on muscle memory. That's useful. 
Yeah, anyway. I, I don't know how I ended up in this conversation twice so recently, but uh, in my other podcast, uh, Morgan and I were talking about a similar concept. And um, I mentioned that I watched a video from a self-defense teacher who was basically like, he made a very provocative title and he was like, feminism could get you killed. Um, and he went on to say, there are, um, there are things that women are often told or taught and particularly modeled in movies Uh-oh. that he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to teach you. Like, he's like using your keys and going like, I'm going to like punch the person with my keys. He's like, there are, there are pieces of advice, self-defense techniques that he's like, if you're a 120 pound, 130 pound female, and there's a 200 pound male, the you need to run. Yes. That is what you need to do because there is yes. nothing you can, you can spray that guy with mace and he is nope. still going to come at you if he wants nope. to come at you. So the self-defense that he talks about, he's like, there are real self-defense principles and strategies that if you learn them, they can keep you safe and protected. And he's like, the problem is bad advice will give you a sense of confidence that you should not. And yeah. um, movies are not helping that. Oh, you know my favorite shitty movie thing? Have we talked about this? My favorite move is the jump on someone's back from behind move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to do a lot of good doing that. Why is Mm -hmm. that an instinct? Why does that keep happening? I know. I'm going to protect you. Not not a move. No, no. Don't do it. And you know what's funny is it's so close to getting your arm around their neck, which would be better. (laughs) Um. Yeah. Hey, can I can I revisit something that popped yeah. into my head? Yeah. I just realized that I name dropped someone that I knew years ago named Stephen Limbaugh and was like telling stories about him. And then I also said, um, uh, I'm kind of like not upset at all that your cousin just died. So <laughs> um, if he ever watches this, uh-huh. um, I don't mean anything personally. Um, and I, I, I love you, Stephen, and um, I hope you're not too broken up or upset. Um, and if you are, my heart goes out to you and your family. And also, I think that Rush Limbaugh really hurt the planet. And that's yeah. just my personal opinion. Um, I think it's sad for him and his loved ones. Yeah. That... I don't hate him. No, I don't think I... he deserved to die. And I think as a cumulative whole, I think that he spewed hate mm-hmm. and lies and and he has overall made the world a worse place, I think. That's, and I don't know him. I could be wrong, but that's the impression that I have of him. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sad that he's not here anymore. I can also have compassion for those he left behind and his kids and his family and um, and say that that's very sad. And I'm sure he was also probably loving to some people. And I don't know. Um, you know, it's anyway, I did just notice that I was like, um ha 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 funny story also fuck your cousin and family <laughs> like yeah. that was like hmm, maybe i was i was driving a lift for a while there and i had a passenger it was a long it was a long drive trafficy from the airport i think it was like 65 minutes or so we spent together and we we were talking about and, and he was bringing up how interesting it is that we had all of these years with unregulated radio being broadcast to so many humans with just like vitriol and lies just 
flooding propaganda at mm. at people. And I've I've said that one of the shifts, one of the shifts that I think disenfranchised a lot of people, and I don't think a lot of people are, are super aware of it or, or call it, but when Oprah decided to start her own uh, network. Now, I don't even know how that happened. I don't know if Oprah decided to start her own network. It seemed like that was the thing. But Oprah deciding to move her show to cable, which is a, a paywall and an access issue. So Oprah is sitting with almost daily, five days a week, she has access to everyone in the country and she appeals to a, just a broad demographic of humans. And she shifted her style of talk show from grandiose subjects for an hour to like 10 years of a more positive focus, more positive psychology. And it doesn't mean that she wasn't a giant like uh, advertiser of products. And it, it was like, if you turned a lot into advertising, and she was forwarding certain kinds of conversations in society. Sure. I think her show had a lot to do with Barack Obama getting elected and a lot of things moving. Like she was part of a cultural push hmm. and a lot of people related to her and she did well in the middle of the country. And then once yeah. her brand of like no one yeah, else. Yeah, you're right. That. Yeah. I no never else. thought Ellen's about like, that fun and you're like oh I right a gay clown that keeps me happy and entertained but she she doesn't drop into the guts of healing people's trauma helping people shift towards meditation helping people want to eat better talking Damn. about you know like and there's and still she, she's an affiliate marketing person so she's sure. selling books and she's selling dr oz pills and she's like she's starting other things but the the core branding around figuring out how to be a better person mm -hmm. and dropping like that was essential. And when that left, then we had a lot more division. No one else replaced that core of our kind of culture, like countrywide morality. Well, and that, I think you said something really interesting. You were like, she resonated with the middle of the country. And I'm like, oh, yeah, my mom was super into Oprah. And now that I think about it, my mom wasn't into any of that other stuff. And Oprah crossed those boundaries in a way where she didn't just appeal to liberal and minority um, groups. She, she appealed across that yes. to um, a lot of the middle of the country, uh, right leaning, even religious types, mm -hmm. but she brought in more loving, more because she was like, she was talking about um, freaking a course in miracles and things like yep. that on her, which, I, which is like, that's actually relatively philosophically advanced um, and exposing people to ideas about compassion and love and bettering yourself you're right like i yeah. i mean obviously i've always thought of oprah as like a cultural icon and phenomenon mm -hmm. but you're you really do point out she crossed something that i don't know of anybody else that i can point to who's done that in that way and certainly no one replaced her in that way nobody yeah. that big there's probably individual small people but yeah well and and to have like that broadcast access. This is a similar, yeah. like that was the only thing that was, could compete with these like radio 
extremists. Because mm. mm. everywhere else where there were different opinions, they were happening on cable and not everybody had access to cable. So you've got mm. like John Stewart and a bunch of other people sort of mm-hmm. mocking humans. But mm-hmm. there was nobody leading the moral core of of our uh, entertainment and, and holding that broad an audience. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And while I say, I have no idea if that was her choice to move, maybe there was pressure. And so she's like, well, the only thing I could do is like, I don't, I don't know if it was hmm. her personal choice to like, I just want my own network and like movie, but it, it made, she leapt up to a paywall that made her programming and what she had to offer something that was more elite. Mm. Only some people could get access to it. You had to pay mm-hmm. a premium channel. It wasn't even part of like a normal cable package. It was even mm-hmm. beyond that, right? And so it brought a, a lot of philosophies out of reach for more people. And I think that's part of a shift, a massive shift in no one else who who else is well now the internet has has again democratized a lot of this and now i think that i I don't know if there will ever be voices as big as some of those voices before just like we're never going to have a michael jackson again um or even the beatles or even elvis um you're never going to have that i don't think that voices that big i mean like Joe Rogan is one of the biggest voices on the planet right now. And his reach, while enormous, while it dwarfs anything on regular television, is still only what, like 17 million or something right. like that, which is right. only 17 million. I know, I know, I know. But I'm saying, like, that's not Oprah. Fucking Oprah was everyone. Yes. Everyone. Yes. Did I just quote that? <laughs> that uh uh, Gary Oldman, everyone, <laughs> um, yeah. everyone knew Oprah. Everybody heard her. Even if you didn't like her, you still knew what she was saying. And there are lots and lots of people who don't filter for Rogan at all. So totally, yeah. Um, I think that was the last unifying uh, piece of entertainment. Yeah. Now we're making a smorgasbord or like it's a salad bar of a little bit of this person, a little bit of this person. And you're making your own plate when it comes to digesting people's viewpoints and things. And it's really challenging because other generations had, you know, like before Oprah, people were still watching Seinfeld. People were still watching broadcast TV. We hadn't like shifted off people. You could have the what is the water cooler? We right, don't have right, water everybody's cooler, working right. virtually now. We don't have water coolers unless they Well, the internet is them. that water cooler to a certain Ish. extent. Like a Facebook, here's what happened. You have memes that show up, yeah. but it doesn't mean it may not show up in your algorithm and that if that's not the stuff you've decided to be interested in. But right. when you had just a couple few silos of where entertainment was happening, more humans were having similar exposure at the same time. Well, yeah, and you you rewind even further than that. There was a, I mean, there was a time when there were like three channels. Yes. And like, think about how easy propaganda would be at that point. Like, you just have a direct line into every family, and and more and more people were buying TVs at that time. Mm-hmm. And even when you think about like, I believe that. Well, I, I think that people still need to learn a lot more about this. I believe that we have learned more and more how to 
um, come out of the trance when we're taking in information. Um, we we can call bullshit on things better. I still think most people are not aware of how unfiltered the access is when you're watching things and especially digesting news, especially scrolling news feeds. Okay. Like we don't have the same kind of bullshit detector there that we do for the news. Like you've seen the, the news has been around for decades. So when you see certain things on the news, you're like, Oh, I, I see the point you're making there, but they're getting more clever about bypassing that the critical part, but go back to when there was only three channels. Mm-hmm. everybody's just like, uh, like that makes me think about people then who were like TV is the like box for idiots and right. being like, I bet I could see that at that time. Like it, uh, maybe it's not as much that way now. Uh, of course, I think that's still probably how most people use it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm saying, I'm not even talking about TV anymore. I'm talking about the screen is this, portal in and how are you using it is it making your life better is it growing you is it shifting you is it expanding you or not and you know we we miss oprah (laughs) i think is the point i'm making here yeah well and it's an interesting thing to have the touchstone that used to be kind of pushing culture in a specific direction that you could see yeah, we can't see all of the different portals pushing people yeah. in many, many yeah. different ways. Like I, yeah. I remember, one of the important shifts was after the Vietnam War, they stopped showing bodies coming home because they recognized that right. that was fueling the protests. Yeah, and they just recognized like here was this tool they didn't quite know what was. Yeah, going in on. World War II, it, it was all propaganda, which mm-hmm. is part of the reason why. Not that I'm careful. <laughs> Not that I'm saying Nazis weren't monsters for everything that they did. They were. And um, and why is it that Nazi is like the go-to villain in a movie where you don't – they're not human anymore. Like right. they're, they're – it's like Nazis and zombies. Like mm-hmm. they are at the same level of we can do anything to them and people will laugh and cheer and whatever. And why? Partly because the programming at that time was these people are monsters. They are inhuman and we can kill them. And that was propaganda in World War II because all the media was influenced and controlled from the top down. And then by Vietnam, it started to become like, no, there was freedom of press. And the the, uh, journalists were getting in there and being like, this is awful. War is hell. War was hell in World War II, but all the propaganda was come and celebrate your heroes. And like we idolize that one as this good war, this righteous war. But it was just as dirty and just as fucked up and just as horrific as Vietnam. Um, It's just we saw the horror in Vietnam. And now all of that stuff is extremely regulated and controlled. Vietnam was the only time we ever got like kind of a kind of a real glimpse at it. Totally. What I find is interesting is that that monsterizing I I think people want to create monsters because it makes it sort of simple. Oh yeah. And the problem with it is when you delete and you distort and you generalize things to that level where something's a monster, then you forget the human who does the things. We don't learn the lessons or we can't recognize 
how that actually happens. If you put such a great distance and our, yeah. our brains kind of have to do that to keep us from trauma. I keep wondering yeah. like cool rape and assault and violence. We could learn about how it works and prevent it and grow different people who behave differently. There's a way that we could appreciate how to help people heal from trauma so they don't perpetuate the the loop by hurting new people. But I think that culturally we go into a a type of of amnesia yeah. Because our bodies and our brains are trying to protect us from the that kind of level of horror. So we just like, ooh, monster is so scary. Like, no, 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 no. That's your uncle. That's your neighbor. That's people you know. They behave yeah. in these ways. They've been hurt in these ways. Like we we don't we can't heal a thing we're not able to like actually look at. And if we yeah. if we cartoonize it into like, oh evil villain, there's the, there's the no best that. Yeah. The best lesson that I ever learned on this was the very simple statement. If you were in Nazi Germany in the 1930s, you would statistically have been a Nazi. And that is not a judgment on your character. Mm -mm. That is, you think you'd be the exception, but so did everyone then. And you don't understand the mass psychology of how these things go until you can find the potential Nazi or serial killer or whatever inside yourself. This is one of the reasons as morbid as it is for a lot of people, I have spent a lot of time studying about serial killers and studying journals and and real science and interviews that humanize these people because it helps me to go, oh, we all have that potential in us. And what what is it there before the grace of God go we? Like the idea is I am grateful I didn't have the things happen to me that happened to that person because I understand that not just if I was them or if I was if I went through what they went through, I would have the same thing. If I was them and I went through what they went through, I would have responded the exact same way. And that is a doorway to a level of compassion that most people struggle to find is realizing, oh, it's all in me. Yeah. Um, I read a book. Ugh, I read a book called The Machete Diaries, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it was about um, these warlords in um, Africa after apartheid um, that may or may not have been responsible for individually killing upwards of 10,000 people. Um, A lot of them with a machete. And the idea was that one of the things that was so fascinating about this interview with these people was that they did not display any of the characteristics of a psychopath. That, That in fact they believed that what they were doing was right. And psychopaths, they don't have that. Psychopaths are just like, I did it because it was fun or I enjoyed it. They're not really justifying it or they, they're they just compelled to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, there's a lot more, it's a lot more complicated there. They, they have, they don't have concepts of right and wrong. That's what, that's the definition of the psychopath is that they don't really care about that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not doing it because it's wrong. They don't, they don't think about right and wrong in the same way that other people do. But these people were devout to the idea that what they did was right. And they individually killed like tens of thousands of people um, like with their bare hands. 
Yeah. And you hear about this and you're just like, I have that in me. That is what it, what happens when you become, when an ideology takes hold of you, that's what you can do when bad ideas get stuck in here and they own you and they control you. And knowing that makes me a lot more compassionate and understanding for other people. Mm-hmm. And also it makes me a lot more careful and cautious and protective of what I let take root in here. That's fair. Yeah. I, I annoy a handful of my friends by having the capacity to appreciate that people's circumstances lead them to, to behaviors that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, vast hurt amount- people, hurt people. Her people, her people, vast amounts of humans that I will just not villainize because yep. for better or worse, I, I've got usefulness out of it. A lot of humans in my family have made just awful, awful, awful choices that were the best that they could do with with the circumstances they came from. And in order to survive and be a human that got love and went through the world and, you know, could get to basketball tournaments and shit like that, like sometimes one needs to appreciate and get love from whatever form it comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't always have choices about that. And I don't know. I, I, yeah. I drive a lot of people crazy because she was like, you should, you should draw a line. People are awful. Those people are evil and gross. And I was like, well, they're, I, if I were if I were living their circumstances, I'd be making the same exact choices that they are right now. And you and I have both worked very hard to develop that capacity to not dehumanize or villainize other people. Yeah. And personally, I think it makes us better than everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Should it do, do? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I had to lighten the fucking mood here. Yeah, right? Jesus. <laughs> okay, speaking of a unifying thing that isn't like mass murder. <laughs> okay. Propaganda, How's I, the weather? <laughs> I survived. Okay, right now, timestamp. I survived power outage wintering so portland is hilarious people try to make fun of uh portland because we'll have like a dusting of snow and close a bunch of things down Uh, and then every now and then we'll get like snow for weeks and then like for like three days and the whole thing's closed down for like something we get teased a lot we don't have the infrastructure to handle snow and i'm putting snows in uh quotes that if you're watching the video you can see and i'm telling you about if you're just listening because Portland doesn't get snow, we get uh, ice rain, and then yeah. we get, if we do get snow, it sort of melts in the day and freezes. We get a lot of yep. freezing rain, and we get temperatures will rise enough to melt things that will then freeze overnight, and then we just have ice. We have a we have a, a layer of ice that's covered with some snow, and then melts into sloshy iceness. And so you get Midwesterners and other people like, ha ha ha, I can drink. No, you can't. You can't actually. So yeah. people abandon their cars on the freeways. So we had a bunch of we had that happen. But then, oh boy, Pacific Northwest, we just love our trees, even if they're half dead. So we had ice on trees, breaking trees, and then melting things and crashing. And a friend of mine. She parked up at the top of the hill so that she could get out. And she swears she looked to make sure there weren't trees around and there weren't. But this massive tree that was far enough away broke and smashed the top of her car. 
Oh my god! Oh my god! Because that the freezing rain gets on the trees and yep. weighs down the branches, yep. and they will split in half. They'll yep. fall like part of it will fall off. The whole tree will fall over sometimes. Plus, yeah. then people crash into the trees. Yep, <laughs> crash into the trees. They crash into light poles because it's ice. It's ice yep. out there, and this only happens every three years or so. We don't get it enough. So trees are like, I'm so free to just grow. I just want to grow this branch for decoration. It's not useful. I've got so much freedom. I don't need it for sunlight. This is this my is decorative just my branch. pretty branch. <laughs> And so those all fall into power lines. So we had a lot of power outages and I had spent last week building this workshop. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving a six hour workshop. I was supposed to give a six hour workshop on Monday uh, about communication. So I'm like diligently like working on the computers and like getting this thing done. And a couple of the participants, I was only, I'm teaching 10 people. Two of them had their power out. And I was like, that, that popped in my head Saturday. I'm like, hmm. Well, given that this is a special presentation, if we have a few more people with power out, then maybe we should reschedule whatever. But I'm like, focus, get it done. So I get the thing done. I am super ready. Like around eight o'clock on Sunday, I'm like, cool. I got this. I'm ready for tomorrow. Um, yeah. So I shut everything down. I think maybe power's going out. I start to charge, charge my phone, my other stuff. And an hour later, <laughs> my power goes out. And I don't, I didn't get to fully charge my phone because I was focused. It was at 50%. So I'm like texting the organizer and it's like, so my power went out. I'll check in the morning. Cause in the past power for me, I would usually have a power out in the middle of the night and then I would be back in the morning. So I'm like, cool, cool. I'm just still going to pretend that it'll be on. I'll wake up at six. I'm supposed to teach at nine. Cool. Uh, and she had said, if, you know, just check in around seven 30. So it's six. Power's still out. I barely have phone. I'm like, I could probably sneak in maybe an hour or so more of sleep. And then just like, I'll just have a, a shake for breakfast and like shorten my getting ready time. 7.30 was just down. So I'm like, I canceled the thing. We're <laughs> rescheduling it at some point. And then I go back to sleep. Also, it's cold, by the way. Really funny. Because yeah. it's, it's still, um, I think it's starting to melt. So it's like 40 outside. And 57 on the inside of my house. And I have a bunch of blankets. And I'm like, I'm just going to stay in here for as long I, as I, I can know what you mean. I had I had to wear a coat yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it was okay today, though. I didn't need a coat. But yesterday, I was like, it was chilly out. Because <laughs> it was like 65. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, I had to take the coat off because it was getting too warm. So, yeah. You know, but I, uh, I get you. I feel you. Like, I understand what the country's going through right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my power outage lasted 44 hours. And oh, my what? Did you just say 44 hours? 44 hours. My dad's lasted 41 hours. What in, in the city. actual like, fuck? Barely? I've never had the power out that long. I didn't yeah. realize that's what this was building up to. I was like, yeah. it went out and then I couldn't do the thing. 44 hours. That's like, holy shit. Hours. Yeah. I, I, I turned on my phone long enough to be like, how long will food in my freezer, food in my fridge last? So I had two full freezers. If they're full, they last 48 hours. If you don't open the doors, everything after four hours in your refrigerator is done. Uh, oh. 
my roommate and I kept going to our cars to charge our phones and it was happening really slowly. At some point at the end of day one, my neighbors got a generator and a friend of mine offered me for me to like go be warm at her place, but I couldn't get there. Cause also I'll... it's no. fucking COVID. So that makes all COVID. of this so much more complicated. <laughs> yeah. So the snow melted enough that I could sort of scrape a pathway. I was just cold and I'm like, I'm going to go scrape and shovel ice and snow off of this area just to move around. And then I got so sweaty. I had to change my clothes. I'm like, well, do I have well, a more I guess that warm layers? <laughs> yeah, it did work. I'm also masturbating at some point. It helps helped. If you're yeah. ever, if get you're ever yourself warmed heat. up. Yep. Hey, yep. Move around. It's, it's building a fire, <laughs> building a fire, uh, internal, internal kindling. So, The first night I got enough blankets that I, I could, I could be warm. And my friend who'd offered her house and I kept like turning my phone off because I'd get to like charge to 70% and I'd like send two texts and it's like 57. I'm like, what? (laughs) My phone kept going down really, really fast. And I kept trying to check in on PGE's like update about when we might have power. And at some point, they said day two, it'll be on at like 345. I'm like, cool. And then they're like, oops, uh, we have no idea when it'll be on. But that night, the first night, my friend brings by a propane or a butane stove thing, which is cool. Uh, yeah. and like, we get like heat tea and other stuff. Um, and I just didn't. This, this, the second day. I kind of made it knowing that I'm like, okay, the snow has melted enough that I think I could drive my car to my friend's house. I don't know what her neighborhood is like because the, the main streets are good. Neighborhoods are dicey because there's slosh and still packs of snow. As I'm driving through <coughs> the streets that plowed, plowed in a bunch of the street parking people who live in like condos and stuff, their cars are now stuck between like the mounds of snow that the snow plows pushed. This is what you mean by the Pacific Northwest doesn't really know how to handle like the snow, like the East coast does. No, we only have like 10 ish trucks in Portland that can be converted to plows. We didn't until a few years ago, allow uh, salt to melt ice because of environmental things. It's bad for the fish. And since like trees can just grow so freely, they break really easily because they're not having yearly pounding to yeah. teach them to like, oh, don't grow a branch unless it's going to be useful. Uh, and also we don't have, we have all these rules that like, we love our trees. So if they're half dead, we don't know. No one's testing them to find out. And nobody's like, oh, just grow monstrous trees in the same strips. It, of your for power for the are. power outage to be 44 hours, whatever took it out must've been a big deal. It must've been hard to get to, or it might've been multiple things. Multiple. But like when, when it <laughs> takes that long, I'm like, God, that that is I, I I've never even living in the Pacific Northwest. I we never had our power out for that long. Yeah, so multiple trees all over the place. Uh, there are at least six substations that were broken and down for reasons unbelievable. I have no idea at this point, like how many grocery stores had generators because most of the city was out. Not just this city, the surrounding yeah. cities also were out of power, yeah. and people are still without power around our forty. One hour 40 or 41, I did go to my friend's house and I and my roommate found 
another place. So I'm got my mask on. I get there. I bring in, uh, she saved my bacon, but literally I took, I just ordered some bacon <laughs> from tender belly and I stuck it in a freezer and I grabbed some ground beef. And so my bacon is in her freezer right now. Cause I didn't know All right. if it was going to last. I'm like, well, I priorities. Know? Exactly. Right. Neat. Very important. High level of importance for me. Yeah. So I get to the house got my mask on all of my shit's safe and i like i because of my friend whose car got trampled by a tree there was one side of the road that i knew i could get out but there was a giant tree if i parked there on street parking so i did a ue and i parked on the other side with no tree but there was like still snow and i sort of like spin my wheel into place and then plop and i was like well yeah i don't know if i can get out of here but that's for later adrienne to figure yeah. out yeah um and my first move, the moment that all of the things had been figured out and taken care of, and I'd been freezing and only drinking like shakes and almonds, I was eating these like protein cookies and drinking like keto shakes and almonds because I didn't want to open the freezers. Uh, and and the food that I could have cooked other than having a hot tea, it, it was in the refrigerator and it had been done. Like I tried to get snow and stick it in there. And anyway, I just collapse i just like like just get down to the floor and do my corpse pose not with the intention of hey i'm just gonna there was no thought process to yeah you just corpse posing ground it was just like kerplop yep and thud and i just like a different kind of pratfall (laughs) right i stayed in a kind of like couldn't keep my eyes open state for some hours and finally we got notification that power was back on and i like i I like did some breathing so that we could do our show today but i am so exhausted and it's not the first time this year yeah this is like time four (laughs) being in a stress level like that is like running on the red line Mm-hmm. And you, when you get to a point where you start to feel safe, it all catches up with you. So, yeah. Um, and it's so quiet. <laughs> it is so quiet. My. Here's how quiet the my fear strategy is in this body. I'm kind of grateful, kind of grateful. I was laying under five blankets with uh three layers of clothing plus scarf plus gloves in my bed with candles. And I was like, Oh, you know, candles are really pretty. This is kind of nice. Oh, I had a hood hood on. Um, I should do can I used to do nightly like candles and stretching and it was, I don't know, six, five or six when I started laying down and I, scanned my entire life i could not like my fingers were too cold for like guitar playing or like writing or reading anything i just just laid there under all of the blankets that i own uh propped up with the pillows and just i got lucky because i ended up having the kinds of daydreams where i just felt really really grateful for all Uh of the the, like relationships that i'd had and the people that i loved and the things that i learned but i scanned everything it's like it's like the slowest life going before your eyes (laughs) (laughs) and somewhere around eight i decided to sleep 
no, I decided to masturbate and then try to sleep. And then my friend brought a thing, but like, boy, it felt like a super fun ritual. And I was too tired to purposefully do some sort of release process or I, I, I thought I of it. I think that counts. I think that counts. <laughs> I think you were already in an elevated enough state just thinking about all that stuff, released stuff. Yeah. I remembered some core beautiful things that I like about me that may not be, you know, like just, just loving people and wanting, like knowing that I love them and really like, I want to tell more people that I love them and express myself more truthfully. I think that would be great. I kind of remember that Adrienne. She was fun. Uh, like if you scan your whole life slowly in the cold, um, <laughs> With nothing else to do, and your cat's just like, why? This way, you can't keep wandering around. Why? It's, it's cold. What? Why are? Why is no one doing the things? It's cold, and you're just what? In one place? Why? And I think my cat might have been doing my fear for me because mm. I was just. What's the next thing? I think I'll have a shower. Oh, good. I get to try out my my shower cap that doesn't do humidity on the inside. That's exciting. That's that's not the sound of somebody who's panicked. No, but but the collapse is the is the indication that right. in in the face of all that. I mean, I had those moments when I was dealing with cancer, too, yeah. where like. Uh, where I, on on the surface I, and, and and pretty far down, I was like, "This is all good." And and truly, leading up to the surgery and even in the recovery from the surgery, I did feel that way. I didn't have any of those moments. It was really good. It was in the radiation. It was like um, when the radiation started, that was hard. And I was like, trying. I think I found myself being like, this is going to everything else here. I've been really positive and this has been really great. And then two weeks, three weeks into the eight weeks that I had to do that, all of a sudden I am exhausted and I feel miserable. And I, five days a week, I have to go get in the car and drive 20 minutes to be tortured and then drive 20 minutes back. And then just being like, oh, this this is hard. And then I had some mental and emotional breakdowns, but yeah. breakdown breakthrough. What's the difference? Yeah. It's happening to everyone. I wonder though, if other people now have a different level of appreciation for candles, I have a different level of appreciation for the generosity of other humans showing mm -hmm. up. Uh, especially given that I am a very, I have been a very individual, take care of my own shit. Like I'm a competent human and sometimes <laughs> I do need help. And I've laughed at myself about how people don't offer me help because I always have mostly seemed like I had my shit together. And could like, I remember my favorite story of this is uh, this person who was moving into my house needed me to clear out the garage so they can store some stuff in there. And they were cleaning out another garage. And I'm like, it's full of junk and stuff. And he's like, well, I'll, I'll let you use my truck that I'm using to move in and move out of this other house. I'll take it to the dump. No big deal. I'll, you know, so he said he was going to get up and help me move stuff out of the garage. And he wasn't waking up. He wasn't answering his phone. The truck was there. And so at eight in the morning and I had had a late night running at theater. Like I I'd been working till like 11 or something and I can't, wind down so i'd been up till 12 or 1 so i'm eight in the morning 
I'm just loading out 40 foot long carpet things over my own shoulder, up a ramp into a truck somewhere on load four of heavy, ridiculous monster things. I'm like, I think this might be why people don't offer to help me. (laughs) Part one, I might not be great at asking for help. And part two, I'm the chick that just is suddenly like 20 and 40 foot long carpet is just getting like shit's getting done. So to have had to have had people show up and offer me help and to be able to accept it is this new wonderful thing. That's a beautiful moment of realization. I love that story. It leads to that like, huh. I did like I'm wearing a mask because I'm allergic to the mold that's on the carpet. I'm covered uh my arms are covered because I don't want to be scratched by something like there's a level of sensitivity and ridiculousness Mm. for me doing this, but yeah. Yeah. Mid ramp. Yeah. On my fifth giant load of shit. Well, Holy shit. I'm glad you survived. And given that you're exhausted, um, I will say, uh, get some rest friends. Like, uh, I'm pretty tired too, but I didn't go through that. So, Yeah, um, I do have to wrap up though because I gotta totally. get headed on to next things. But I'm glad we got a chance to catch up, and you got a chance to catch me up. And totally, I do find it funny that we ended up in in this show, not only talking about the weather, um, <laughs> <laughs> also talking about how we all have a Nazi inside of us, <laughs> and we all have the capacity for. Uh, for evil and that recognizing that hurt people hurt people can give you a much deeper sense of compassion and also fuck Rush Limbaugh. (laughs) Exactly. And while you see me deeply, how about turn on some candles and make it a deeper, more fun ritual? It's prettier. Love it. Love it. All right, I'm done. That was fun. Sometimes I'm glad no one watches this show. Oh, gosh, there's at least seven. I know. Uh, Actually, we had like three people watching the whole time. (laughs) I love it. Thanks. All right. See See ya. (laughs) 